You're listening to Simperitz Radio, episode number 224, and today we're talking about energy and cravings, and really how you can make cravings never an issue in your life again. Yes, it's not to say we're going to overcome cravings, because you're going to learn that's not the answer, but it's understanding how they no longer have to be a problem in your life, and we're going to dive into that today. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm so pumped that you're here in the midst of this energy series. I have heard from so many of you about how you're loving this podcast series, how it's opening your eyes to see health and life in a new way. And I hope that's what you're learning because it is my very mission here that I won't just create another system or another plan or systematic ideas that you have to be followed, but that we can uncover a way of living in health without wrecking your life, right? To use health as a means for living, not as a means of living for. And that is my ultimate goal, is to help you walk confidently in health and be energized in that so that you can go out and live a greater purpose. And today we're talking about overcoming the power of cravings, which sabotage and wreck so many people's lives and plans and progress, and we just hate cravings so much. Now, while we're going to talk about food cravings and sugar cravings, this really applies to all cravings in general, whether it's cravings for alcohol, for for drugs, for pornography, or whatever intense cravings and urges there is in the world. This podcast deals with all of them, and the same practices and principles apply. So stay tuned for that. But I do want to mention and give you a little insight into my story and where the concept of understanding the body as a means of energy and using energy for health came from. Now I'm going to do this really briefly um, before we get into the podcast on cravings. But I have been getting a lot of questions about where did this idea even come from and why are you talking about energy and it sounds a little woo-woo. But just to give you the short answer, when I fell ill a few years ago, um, it was at the sake of doing everything right. Literally, I was eating right, I was exercising, I was doing what the health industry would say was at the top of my game. Interestingly though, I crashed and burned. In the middle of all of that, in the middle of years of doing everything well, my body physically crash and I no longer could perform the way that I was. It felt like it happened a matter of days, but it was years of me kind of doing this, pushing my body to the extremes, trying to make my body do what I wanted it to, that eventually my body was said enough. Eventually I had burnt through and exhausted all of my positive energy sources and they were now being channeled in a negative or unhealthy way. More simply said, I was working at a very low frequency, and in that point, I was barely able to put one foot in front of the other. Literally, it took work for me to walk. And in in this battle, I went through many practitioners, but the one that really walked me through the process of healing was the one who intentionally focused on one aspect of healing, and that was providing the environment for my body to do the job that it was designed, and that is heal from the inside out. She didn't believe in just slapping things on my body to try to make it go away or hope that we could just mask it for the time being. What she really wanted to do was to provide energy and energize the cells in my body to be able to heal. Like she looked at my body and thought, all you need is energy, and then all of these signs and symptoms that you have going on 
will go away because that's what our bodies are designed to do. So through years of energizing my body through acupuncture, chiropractic adjustments, different supplementation, red light therapy, sauna, moving my body in the right way, of course, eating well, I was then able to walk myself into a place of health and being healthier than I ever had before. And the more I started learning about energy, the more I realized this concept of energy is ultimately how we pull the mind, body, soul together into one functioning being. And yet what we found in the health space is people like to separate our bodies. We almost like to become disconnected from ourselves, right? Because what we're feeling on the inside doesn't correlate to what's happening on the outside. And so we live a life of trying to micromanage everything outside of ourselves. We diet, we exercise, uh, we try to uh, perfectly form our relationships and get rid of stress in our life and all things that are really unpractical for a longevity purposes as to not disturb what's happening on our inner being. But what I want to do in this series is I want to flip the tables and say that is not health. We cannot pick apart our body and expect health to ever come from that. What we need to start doing instead is to see how all of this works together because it's not just our hormones that are controlling and responsible for different symptoms that we're feeling, but hormones are simply being villainized because they're channeling a measure of energy throughout the body. It's not the hormones, it's the hormone signal of how much energy you're working with that really is the problem. And so we're gonna dive into all that and we have been in this energy series. So I hope that you're finding it fascinating. I hope that you're having a lot of aha moments to say, wow, this is making so much more sense. And more than that, I hope you're starting to recognize in the life around you and life inside of you of what things make you feel energized and what things take away your energy. Now I say that lightly because energy can neither be created nor destroyed. So it's not to say that we can actually get rid of our energy, but we're just simply channeling it in different directions, which in time can be lead to exhaustion and fatigue, all of those things. But essentially speaking, we have an abundance of energy. And in order to truly live in health, we have to learn how to tap into that energy so that we can. So today we're going to talk about energy and cravings. Before we get there, though, I do want to remind you that you can find more information about today's show and all the other episodes and the energy series on the blog at SemperitzWellness.com. Yes, I give all the information out along with a few additional tips that could be helpful and beneficial as you put these practices that we talk about here on the podcast into play in your life. So again, you can find all of the show notes on today's show over at SemperitzWellness.com backslash 224. And if you stick around over in the blog, look around because all summer long, I've been releasing new um, blog posts. There's one that just went live about the five healthy fats that you should have on hand. These are just delicious additions to your diet that you can use in multiple ways that can be really beneficial as well as um, other blog posts that I think that you're going to love. So take a look around. Don't forget to sign up for my email list to make sure you get all the information that you need on upcoming events, podcast release, new blog posts, and so much more. But for now, let's get back to the show and talk about cravings. Now, generally speaking, probably when you come to podcasts or read books or blog posts about cravings, it mostly has to do with the biological component of what a craving is. 
So most often you hear of food cravings being a hormonal issue, being a, a simple issue of you just choosing to put bad foods into your body. And therefore, if you could just eliminate or avoid those bad foods, like giving up sugar completely, that eventually you can override your need for whatever it is that you crave. Now, while there is some research to back that idea up, I simply have found over and over and over that if we're just attacking the body on a behavior modification standpoint, we're really missing the root of why we do things and the root of what makes us take action in the beginning. And this is why you can only hit your body with behavior modification ideas for so long before it falls subject back to what it is that you actually believe. So if you're questioning, you know, like I kind of, you know, tried the whole uh, 30 days of no sugar and these craving free diets and, and I tried it all and it felt like it worked, but I just couldn't seem to stick to it. I hear that story all the time. I've tried whole 30. I just can't get myself to stick with it. The issue is not necessarily the diet or the mechanism for which they're approaching it, but it actually has to do with your belief system. The, the cycles and the systems that are inside of your body that are creating perceptions in life, which are creating this drive for either thriving or surviving. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that those craving-free diets can't work, but again, it doesn't ever get to the root. And if you really want to change your cravings, you have to go back and understand that it's not just about avoiding cravings. Here's the kicker. Humans are designed to crave. Lisa Turkers has a great book about this that I think it's called Made to Crave. Um, And it really does talk about the spiritual component of cravings. Like our bodies are physically designed to crave. In fact, it's in cravings that leads to desire. And so we do know that while cravings can feel bad, cravings can lead us in a direction that we don't want to take and make us do things that we don't want to do, right? Like eat sugar and eat the candy and want the cake and drink the pop and all the things that we're trying to avoid. Yes, those are coming from cravings, but it's not the craving that's the issue. It's the belief system about the craving. It's, it's the belief system that's making the craving shine. So here's the deal and the big spoiler alert. It's not to say that you need to avoid and eliminate cravings in your life, but you need to switch your cravings by switching the foundation in which you believe in order to make those cravings work for your good rather than for your harm. When we're using cravings for our harm, what essentially we're saying is that cravings are above us. Cravings control us. And the reason that we feel like cravings control us is because naturally we're working at a level that's lower or we're working at a lower energetic level than the craving itself is. So it feels like we've fallen under or we've fallen subject or we've fallen victim to the craving, which we really have in the case of walking the line of negative cravings. It's simply because you're working at a really low energetic level and we're going to break this all down. Now, on the flip side, um, the idea and really how to make cravings no longer an issue in your life is you have to learn to rise above cravings, to recognize that cravings do not actually control you, but you control, control your cravings. And you do this by having a belief system that is fundamentally positive, having a belief system of positive, thriving feedback loops that make you desire positive things. Now, 
It might sound too good to be true, and I totally understand that, but I really do want to break this down. And so let's start at the very top. Again, we are designed to crave. And so when researchers do studies, it's no surprise that 100% of people have some sort of craving in their life. It is designed in all of us. So the first point I want to make is that cravings in themselves are not bad. They are not the villain and you are not the victim. Cravings are an intended purpose and they have great reason inside the human body, which we'll get to. So again, the first point is, is that if you have cravings, that is completely normal. That makes you human. But again, it's not the craving itself that is to blame. It's what's driving the craving. It's where the craving is taking you. For instance, we can have cravings that are really healthy, right? Like some of you might wake up in the morning and desire to get your body moving. You might desire a workout. Some of you desire to order a salad when you have ample opportunity to order a burger and fries. Some of you might just skip the ice cream because you simply just don't need it, right? You have desires to feel healthy, to desire health, to work at a high energetic level. Now, some of you might be scoffing at this, right? Thinking, yeah, those people, those people who seem to have it all together, who actually enjoy the process. Like we know those people who are working at an energetically high level and who have desires to continue to stay there. Honestly, while we can scoff at them and make fun of them and um, almost feel envious of these people, trust me, I've been there as well. That is really the intended design of the human body to get to that place where we actually desire health because we're working at a higher energetic level, meaning you're going to crave higher energetic things. You crave what you put out, meaning generally speaking, you're going to crave the same energetic level that you're living at. So if you're living at a low energetic level, right, you feel sad or uh, you feel tired or exhausted, more than likely you're going to look for low energy cravings to come in and support that, like a need for sugar or need for alcohol or need for a dopamine hit. So you're going to do something that's going to stimulate a reward on the other side to try and amplify the negativity that's happening in your life, but instead of actually pulling you out of that, it's just going to make you cycle back through it. On the flip side, if you're working at a higher energetic level, you're full of joy, you're full of excitement, you have a lot of internal energy, more than likely, you're also going to crave higher energetic things, like higher energy foods, like fruits and vegetables, and like I said, working out, and solitude, and self-care, and laughter, and joy, and relationships, and connection, and all of these things that we know are really the intended design of the human body. So it's not about eliminating cravings, but it's about channeling the energy of your body and a direction of health, therefore making you crave better things. So it's not to say that we can just avoid cravings or get rid of cravings. And in fact, we can't do much with our cravings unless we focus on where our energy levels are at, unless we can focus on raising the energetic level of our body, making us desire healthier things. But I do want to go back to the concept of craving because I think it is something that we've learned or even taught that we can manipulate when in fact it's really an unrealistic bar and expectation that we've been set. So cravings, again, are simply a result of where we are living energetically. Cravings are designed in us, therefore they're part of being human and they can be a really, really good thing, giving us the desire to continuously live healthy. 
And while I'm talking here mostly about the psychological effects of cravings, there is a small percentage of cravings that are truly biological. However, most research has found that cravings that are biological are also coming from a psychological aspect. However, if your body is deficient in some kind of nutrient and can make you or induce more cravings in your life um, simply so that you provide that. I again argue that 100% of cravings are psychological because if they're biological, that's most likely due to an imbalance of not having enough energy. Meaning that if you're working at a lower energetic level, you're probably not having the right nutrient levels. You're using nutrient at a higher propensity than if you're working at a higher energetic level. You're using up energy, so your your desire and your biological need for calories increases. Like all of these things biologically, I believe are in direct relation to your energetic level of your body, which is directly related to your psychological mindset behind what it is that you're perceiving in life. The foundation and every biological system has to start with your perception. And it's in your perception that you channel your body into a positive energy state, what I talk about as being thriving, or into a negative energy state, which is simply surviving. So yes, you can have biological cravings, and in that case, and in every case, I do believe in feeding our cravings. We're gonna talk about this later, but if you feel like you truly are craving something, like say a piece of chocolate when you're menstruating, have a piece of chocolate. That is not worth depriving yourself over, and in fact, depriving yourself actually lowers your energy level, making this problem worse. I wish I could draw this all out on the whiteboard for you and maybe at some point we can do that. But for now, you just have to understand that the more negative your mindset is, the more biological resources your body is going to use in order to override those negative feedback loops. And eventually this process gets worse and worse and worse. So while there can be some biological cravings, most all cravings are going to be psychological. And this is really what we're going to talk about today. So let's just break down the psychological reason why cravings occur. Now again, cravings in nature are only a supporting mechanism for other things that are happening inside of your body. Cravings are never the root cause. Cravings are never the leading factor in what it is that you're doing. They're not the driving force in action. It might feel like that. It might feel like your cravings are driving you to take negative action. But it's not the craving itself that's actually doing that. The craving is simply supporting the thought process behind what it is that's driving you to take action. So let me break this down um, as simply as I can. Inside the body, we're having thousands and tens of thousands of thoughts on any given day, right? We're having um, some some estimate that we have anywhere from 60 to 80,000 thoughts that are going on in our brain. Now, while most of those thoughts are actually going to happen at the subconscious level, there are quite a few that are conscious in behavior. And yes, we can slightly control our subconscious thoughts. What we really need to start paying attention to is what are we consciously thinking about? Because it's here in our thought process that we're understanding that our thoughts are supporting our belief system. And it's in this process of supporting our belief system that our thoughts have to build a foundation or a structure in order to support that belief. 
So meaning we all have beliefs that are over everything that we do in our body and our beliefs are really creating our perceptions about life. However, we have thoughts, right? We have ideas that come into our head. We have stories that we're being told. Um, We have constant media that's going on, right? We have so much information coming in. And when that information or segment of that information captures your attention, it creates a thought. And in that thought, in order for that thought to have meaning in your life, which by the way, we're meaning machines. If something in our life does not have meaning, we will pay no attention to it. It will no longer have any sort of, um, what do I wanna say, weight in your body or in your mind. So if something doesn't matter to you, like say for instance, like if you can't find meaning in sporting events, more than likely you're not gonna spend any time paying any attention to sports. I happen to be one of those people. I love to play the sport. I love to watch my kids play sports, but professional sports have absolutely no meaning or they don't make, um, they don't have meaning in my life. And therefore, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying they don't. Therefore, I pay little attention. I have no care for it. And it really is, is nothing that crosses my radar in any given day. So we're meaning machines, right? If something is going to stick and carry weight and have a reaction from us, there has to be meaning behind it. And it's here and the process of having a thought that we have to start creating meaning behind the thought in order to support that against our belief system. And once that is fully supported, once that thought sticks, then our body takes action. And so while uh, our belief systems are over all of it, technically speaking, our actions are always driven from our thought process, which our thoughts are always in line with our beliefs. So when we look at cravings and what we're trying to do in the health space is we're trying to come at it at a behavior modification level, meaning we're trying to change the action without ever changing the thought process or the belief system that we have. And you can see that if our thoughts are driving our actions in time and us trying to override the process of us taking action without changing our thought process, we will be left feeling like failures. Like we cannot override the intended design of the body. And so again, our thoughts are trying to build meaning to to align with our belief system. And part of the process that happens inside of every single neuron is that your brain starts building these microtubulars, which give your body structure um, and it gives it meaning. And the microtubulars are going to be built like a scaffolding system, or you can think of it as a Lego system to build a structure. Now, the point of this system is to create supporting evidence that makes that thought true, that makes that thought action worthy in the body. It's it's really a safety mechanism for your body to start to understand what is true, what is false, what do I need to act on, right? If you saw a newspaper article that said, there's going to be an alien invasion tomorrow at 9 a.m., prepare yourself. If you have no beliefs that aliens exist, that article is going to have no meaning inside of your brain and create zero action. You're not going to go to the grocery store. You're not going to build a bunker tonight, right? Whatever it is that you might do, if there was truly an alien invasion, you're not going to do it because you don't have a belief in that. But if you have a belief and then a thought that corresponds to that or challenges that belief system, you have to start building a structure to support that so your body can take action on that. And part of the supporting system that we have is that we have to start taking evidence that this is true. 
So your body's going to start to develop feedback or or um, gather feedback from past events, um, from past traumas or memories, from things that are happening in our world right now, to other thoughts that you're having, to the belief system that you have, and even to the cravings that your body puts out. So as your body's creating the scaffolding system inside of your brain to create supporting evidence, on top of that, it's going to ignite a craving. And what the craving's going to do is it's going to trigger an action in your body that comes in and adds the double stick tape to the thought and puts it on your belief system. It's the action that creates longevity. Let me say this another way. Your body, every thought that your body has needs supporting evidence in order to become true. If it's not true, if it's false, your body does nothing with it. However, just because you believe it to be true does not mean it's true, or just because you believe it to be false does not mean it's false. Everything that happens inside of our brain is a perception. Some people call our perceptions hallucinations of reality. It's what we perceive or envision or think about that's not necessarily reality. We've kind of been talking about this this whole series, and I know that this can be like a, um, a, a more difficult concept to come around, but our perception, everything that happens in our body is based on a perception, and what we're perceiving is going to be different from person to person, even though we all live in the same world. And our perception is going to come from our belief system. It's going to come from our stored memories, from traumas, um, from where we've been before, and even where we envision ourselves going. So again, we have this belief system in our body, these natural perceptions that we have. And most people's perceptions are either going to be more positive or they're going to be more negative. We condition our brain in either or. And how we condition our brain is going to generally change our thought patterns. So if you have a thought that, let's say a negative thought, right? We have a negative thought that says, man, I feel like I'm getting so fat. Or I feel like I try everything and nothing works. Those thoughts, in order for them to stick, in order for them to become true, they have to create supporting evidence, meaning they have to pull in facts um, and witnesses and other things that can support that thought to make it then part of your belief system. So if you just tell yourself, I'm so fat, and then you flood your mind with the truth that says, no, my mom said, you know, when I was younger, it wasn't a matter of how I looked or it was it was more what I brought to the table or uh, those jeans do look good on me. You know, like if you fill that that thought with truth, there's no foundation for that thought and there's no action that your body needs to take because you quickly realize that thought is untrue. Therefore, you let it go. However, if you come up with supporting evidence that stands with that, if you say, I'm so fat, and then you look in the mirror and you remind yourself about how bad you look in those pants, and then you think back to the time that kid called you thunder thighs, and and then you envision yourself in the future, unable to get control of this at the same issues that you have just 20 years down the road, you start to create supporting evidence. In order for the supporting evidence to really stick, you have to create an action. The action is what's going to make, whether it's negative or positive, actually stick inside the body. And so you create action. In order to create action, generally your body signals out a craving based on the frequency in which you're working with. If you're working out of a negative um, situation, more than likely you'll induce a craving that says, look, there's candy. Um, I want a piece of sugar. I want cake. 
And then you're going to go through the negative process of saying, no, you don't deserve that. No, you don't need that. That's just going to make you more fat. And you create this war inside of your body. But guess what? Because your underlying belief is negative, generally speaking, you will take action on that negative craving. Allowing that to stick inside of your belief system. On the flip side, if you have a positive thought and you're trying to create positive supporting evidence, one great way to do that is to allow those cravings for healthier things to induce that, to to help the positive to stick in your life. So you might actually find that you crave moving. Don't admit it, right? Because it's so against the norm and it's kind of like um, taboo if you actually want or crave health. Um, So we don't admit it, but you can actually start to feel those things. Give in to those things because the cravings are what creates that thought process from sticking. So if we can start to see this, we can start to see that it's not the craving that's the problem. It's ultimately the thought process that led to the craving. It's our underlying belief or our perspective about the things that we're doing and why we're doing them. And ultimately what we envision about that, that's going to make our cravings positive or negative. And it's not about getting rid of cravings. It's about using our cravings in positive ways and ways to help us. So again, cravings are nothing more than supporting evidence for whatever it is you're trying to get to stick inside of your body. Unfortunately, most of us are working with a lot of limited beliefs. Unfortunately, most of us are working at a very low energetic level, meaning we're exhausted, we're physically tired, we're overwhelmed, we're consumed by stress. We want all of this health, um, but uh, we can't see how we can possibly get there. We just have limiting belief after limiting belief. At some level, many of us have built a foundation on lies that we've made true on lies that we've had to take action on to create weight. Many of us have built a life outside of our design. And in order to do this, in order to live at such a low energy level, it takes a lot of negative mindsets and a very negative perception about the world around us. Now, ironically speaking, the more negative thoughts that we have, the more mental capacity it takes and the more resources it takes in order to have those things. Like for instance, we know that smiling creates more energy and frowning takes it away. We know laughter creates energy where crying takes it away. We know the difference and the different actions that we're taking are either filling us with energy, unlocking and unleashing that energy in a healthy way, or it's trapping it and it's making us exhausted. It's making us use energy in negative ways and it's in these negative thoughts that it takes way more resources than something else. And so cravings really aren't a hormonal thing or a biological thing, but they're simply a psychological thing. Cravings are driven from our perceptions. And so in order to change our cravings, we really have to change our perceptions and ultimately the energy level in which we're working out of. But to do this, you have to keep focus that you are actually above your cravings. No craving in this world controls you. Yes, there's a lot of hormones that come into play that make it harder to stop. We have the reward system like dopamine and serotonin and all these things and all these chemicals that can make cravings addictive. But if we can choose to rise above them and increase our energy level, we're no longer seeking artificial energy, meaning we no longer have to patch our lives with quick 
abusive forms of energy that never last. If we can increase our energy level and work out of a higher frequency, we no longer are looking for a reward because we're constantly living in it. We're living in the space that we want, not masking the space that we hate by consuming the things that we crave because that doesn't work long term. So again, I'm going to repeat it. You are above every single thought that happens inside of your body. There is nothing about you that has control over you. I know that the world tells us that, and I know that the world tells us um, that cravings can control us and other physical aspects have control over us, but they don't. Our thoughts don't have control over us. In fact, we are not always our thoughts. Our thoughts are perceptions. And the best way to no longer make cravings a problem is to recognize that you have full and absolute control over them. But again, you have to rise above the energy of the craving to a higher energy level where that craving no longer has the satisfactory rewards that it once did. So it's all about raising your energy levels. Now, I want to take like a quick, brief moment to um, maybe explain this in a little bit of a different way. Because ironically, right, how we've been taught to overcome cravings in society today is just to use more willpower. You know, will yourself out of the craving. Just stop thinking about it. Don't focus on it. Envision something else, which envisioning something else actually can work um, because it changes the perception. And so it kind of goes back to the root system. But just using willpower to overcome that never works, at least not in the long term, because what we know about willpower is it's directly relational to the amount of energy we have in our body. So if we're working at a lower energy level, we have less willpower. Like it's just not there. We need energy in order to will ourselves out of something or to will ourselves into something. That takes energy. The more energy you have, the more willpower you have. But if you have more energy, even though you have more willpower, you also have less cravings. So you don't need that willpower then to overcome the cravings. So funny that how we use or what we're taught to overcome cravings is willpower is the very thing that is limited when we're also working out of a low energy state. Therefore, you should not feel guilty or you should not feel bad if willpower didn't work for you. More than likely, it's not going to work for anyone because when we need it, we're already at a low energy state and therefore it actually does more harm than good. I mean, in the very short term, willpower is also a survival mechanism, but we cannot rely on it long term simply because it also wears out our energy levels. So that's just a a little side note. But again, to prove how important it is that we understand the energy inside of our body and where we're channeling that energy. Is it going in a positive direction or is it going in a negative direction? And ultimately seeing, like taking a moment to step outside of your being and recognize you actually are the driving force and where your energy is going. More than that, it's your belief system. Your belief system is creating your perceptions. So for my faith-based believers, this is why we were designed to crave, right? We were not designed to live independent lives, but to be dependent upon God. And we use those cravings as a desire, as an understanding that I want to crave more of him because it's in him that I actually get healthier. It's in him that I find more energy and that I can live more on purpose. 
Do you see how when we were designed to crave, it gives us a desire for more energy, a desire to live at a healthier state, a desire to go out and do good and to love more. But unfortunately, we flipped that, right? And just as it can be good, we've forgotten or we've neglected or simply we haven't been taught that your perceptions change your energy levels. Your perceptions change what your body does with the energy that you have. And speaking of that, you have the energy. It's a matter of where are you channeling that energy. And what's so fascinating, I think, when you stop to recognize this, is just stop to think, how much energy and time am I spending protecting the parts of myself that I do not like? How much time and energy am I spending trying to just quit sugar? How much time and energy am I spending trying to go carb-free? How much time and energy am I spending defending my weight problems? How much time and energy do I spend doing the things in life that I do not like? And I think that we'll be shocked to see that we spend so much time and energy on the things that we do not like that we neglect to put the focus into the things that we do like, into the desires that we do want, into the vision of where we do wanna go. It's time to stop focusing on the negative aspects and starts to fixate on the good because where you focus is where your energy is gonna go. So again, if we go back to the perception and the thought process and we have negative thoughts, we're putting energy and attention into those thoughts to create supporting evidence. We're also putting attention and energy into the cravings, which then come back and support this negative thought, taking more negative energy, um, and really kind of creating this vicious cycle in life where people are exhausted, we're overwhelmed, we're overstressed, we're overstimulated, and we're overweight. Why? Because no one has ever told you you do not have to focus on what you do not like. You get to choose what you focus on. And if you shift your focus to the true foundational beliefs of why you were designed and the purpose that you were created for and the meaning that you have here in life, you can start to make healthier change and your cravings will completely shift. Not to get rid of cravings because if we focus on getting rid of cravings, your craving problem is going to get bigger. It's not about getting rid of cravings. It's about channeling them in the right direction. And that will only happen by choosing what you focus on. So I'm rambling, um, but I do want to empower you to say like, hey, these might be things no one's ever told you before, but these are foundational ideas and total life transformation and changing not just your health, but your complete behavior. Because what I see so often in health is like, I want to try to micromanage my diet and do all this stuff. Meanwhile, my entire environment and perspective and belief system is not changing. (laughs) Um, And all you're doing then is you're spending mass amounts of energy trying to micromanage something on the outside when the only way to truly change is to get on the inside. So we have to stop trying to put all of our energy into our outside world, trying to um, perfectly put it into place to try and find this happy normal again. And instead recognize it doesn't matter how normal anything outside of you is. The only thing that really is going to create and drive change is by understanding what's inside. Spending more time on the inside of who you are, on the belief systems, on the mentality, on the mindset, and ultimately what mindset is driving your energy level and therefore 
everything will change. This isn't hard. In fact, it's so simple, but it seems overwhelming because we can't track it. But I do want to give you a really practical tips that you can start to implement to start to channel your cravings in a right and a healthy direction. So tip number one is understand and recognize your cravings as okay. Don't instantly have a craving and then start nitpicking yourself or berating yourself or putting yourself down. The more you focus on that craving, the stronger it's going to get. So understand, man, I'm craving something. Acknowledge it. Ask where it's coming from. Is this coming from a positive space or a negative space? Am I craving this piece of chocolate because I'm having a stressful day? Am I craving this piece of chocolate because I feel tired this afternoon? Am I craving that pop as a pick-me-up? Why are you craving it? If it's truly an energy thing um, that's coming from a biological energy driver, do something else to fill your body with energy or simply eat what it is that you crave. Have a little bit of it. The more you give into cravings, the less attention you have, the smaller they are. So it's better just to um, feed your craving instantly as soon as you have it than stew on it and fester over it for days and weeks until all of a sudden you just binge on it. But if you can channel that energy or that craving into positive energy, maybe all you need is like, hey, I feel like I'm craving a pop right now or I feel like I'm craving that afternoon Starbucks drink. Again, not to say and put down any of this as bad, but we probably can all assume that those are all lower energy foods, which really is only going to decrease your energy levels more. And so instead, can you do something that's going to fill you up? Can you get outside and go on a quick lap around your office building? Can you take your dogs on a walk? Can you change your morning routine so that you actually fill yourself during the day? Can you eat something that's healthier? There's lots of little things that we can do to fill yourself, but you have to understand your cravings. You have to know why you have them and what it is that you're actually looking for. Then create a new visual, right? We know that the more you visualize yourself eating or falling into that craving, the more likely you are to do it. So take some time to visualize what your life would look like outside of having these cravings. What would that mean? I bet it's not to say like, oh, I crave chocolate all the time. I bet the new vision isn't void of chocolate, but it's you eating chocolate in healthy ways. (laughs) Create new visions behind the cravings that you do have that involve healthy activities. Number four, like I said, feed them. If you know you're craving chocolate and you have a repetitive craving, but you're trying to increase your energy levels, don't assume that the craving for chocolate's just gonna go away, but learn how to feed that craving in a healthy way. Like I said, don't stew on it, don't fester over it, but if you feed it in just a small amount, more than likely, that's going to satisfy that craving and make it go away for good. So let me give you an example of this. I know a lot of people crave something sweet in the afternoon. This is very normal. Most people's energy level tanks in the afternoon. Life gets stressful and overwhelming. People need an energy boost. But if you have true cravings for food, which is also very normal, it's a great way for your body to fill in with energy. What I would suggest you do is maybe have a piece of chocolate or whatever it is that you crave with lunch. So you eat your lunch and then you have a little piece of whatever it is that you want to crave, a little piece of dessert to satisfy what it is that you have. To basically tell your body, I don't need to crave this later because I just fulfilled that. 
it really, I know it's little and it seems excessive or scary, but it really, really does take the power out of the craving and allow you to channel that energy into a positive direction. So occasionally for me, sometimes I know like, oh, I'm just craving chocolate. Generally, you're going to crave it at the meal. So you might not pay attention to it, but if you're going to have crave afternoon candy, you've probably already started craving that at lunchtime. Um, And so I know like if I feel like there's a, a, a minor or minute craving for something sweet, what I do with lunch is I'll, I buy like dark chocolate squares. I'll take a piece of dark chocolate square, put a little peanut butter on, maybe some coconut cream, or just eat the dark chocolate square and just have one of those with lunch. When I'm already satisfied, filled, when my body's already digesting food and it's not going to crazy spike my energy levels, throwing off my hormones more, I satisfy that craving. And guess what? It takes it away for the rest of the day. Do I do it every day? No. But if you're just starting this process, you might have to. Don't make it a routine and don't get into the habitual process of of cravings, which they can be for some people. It's not a need. It's just a, a habitual conditioning that you've created. Um, but just once in a while when you need that, it can help overcome that. Again, the more attention you give your cravings, the bigger they're going to get. And the fifth and the last thing is, is once you understand your cravings and where they're coming from, you can also start to uncover and see your thought process. And it's in our thought process that we need to start to go back and to question why we're having these negative thoughts, why we're living at such a low energy level anyways, and what things can we do to change that? How can we work through our belief system? How can we incorporate more positivity? How can we increase more activities that are going to increase the frequency or the energetic level in which we're working? The higher the energy level, which is our intended design, the healthier you're going to be and the better your cravings are going to be. But in order to get there, you really have to change the foundational beliefs in which you're standing because it's in your foundation that you're either having positive or negative cravings. So you got to go back and you have to challenge that and you have to start to get to a view in a place where health is no longer a problem because again, where you focus is where your attention and energy goes meaning your health will probably always be a problem if it's a problem now. And instead, start to view yourself as healthy and start to understand how much power you do have in creating more energy inside of your body. So all of that to say, cravings are just supporting evidence for whatever it is you're thinking. If you want to have better cravings, you have to have more positive thoughts and you have to put an end to supporting your negative thoughts. Don't waste time and energy supporting the things that you do not like about yourself. Instead, spend that time and energy on more energy-filling practices, which we're going to dive into in the following podcast. So next week, I have a special guest coming on, I think. Um, I'm still confirming this episode um, that she's going to talk more on the energetic healing practices, which she is the the very doctor that healed my body um, and helped me see energy in a new way. She's going to come on and talk more about energy healing and the design purpose in the body. And then the following weeks, we're going to talk about energy and food and energy and movement, how we can start to implement higher energetic levels into our body so we can operate at a higher energy frequency, which will change the game. So we have a few more podcasts in this series. In fact, we probably have like five more 
four or five more. I can't remember. I might throw in a bonus one. That's why I said there might be a fifth one um, with my therapist talking about relational energy at the end of the series. But we are going to start to move into, okay, what foods, what what are our lifestyle practices? What movements are are helping us to create and work at a higher energy level and what are making us work at a lower energy level. And again, you're gonna be surprised because a lot of it has to do with our perspective. So for now, I want you to start thinking about cravings in a different way. Think about cravings as supporting the energy frequency in which you're working at. If your cravings are for unhealthy things and unhealthy patterns, you're probably working at a low energy level and that is gonna help you see that. And the only way to move to positive cravings is to work at a healthier or higher energy frequency. So that's it for today. I would love to know, though, what you thought about this episode. I know it's a big change in what we've heard about cravings and learned about cravings, but I hope it starts to uncover a different view, one that can create freedom in your life to recognize you are not subject to your cravings. You are not a failure because you don't have enough willpower, but ultimately that you are in control of them. You are above them and it's there that you can start to determine the action that you take but it all starts with your perception and your beliefs. So I'd love to know more from you. Leave a comment on social media, send me a message, or simply shoot me an email at alexa at simperitswellness.com. Again, these are big topics, so send me any questions, feedback, or advice that you have. And don't forget to stay tuned next week because you're gonna wanna hear from the doctor who completely changed my health for the better. I'm so grateful for her, and I know you're gonna learn so much. So come back next week. Don't forget to head to the show notes at sunbritswellness.com backslash 224. Learn more about today's episode. Get some more healthier recipes over there. And as always, share this with your friends and family. Let them know about this podcast that can completely transform their view of health, helping them to truly walk in health freedom. This is Health Made Simple, and it means the world to me if you would share this with your friends and family. Take a quick screenshot, share it on social media, tell your coworkers about it, get them to listen in, and the last thing that you can do that 